Open your Bibles tonight with me to 1 Samuel and chapter number 3. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. Let's read the Word of God together here tonight. Verse number 1. And the child, Samuel, ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And here the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I. For thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came. That's an amazing thing right there. And the Lord came and stood. That is an amazing statement in the Bible. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay into the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit, and did hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do that what seemeth good. Let me say that again. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel in Shiloh by 
the word of the Lord. Let's pray one more time. Father, I ask you to bless the preaching now and the teaching of your precious word to our hearts. Help me, Lord, to to make it as practical as possible. And uh, Lord, we pray that as I speak on the outside, you would speak on the inside. And we'll be grateful and we'll be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's look again at verse number 1. And the first part of this uh, passage of Scripture, what we're going to look at are in this chapter, would be probably the statement that is mentioned in the New Testament. And that is that judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Now, this is critical that we understand this principle. All right? And you'll notice he says here, but let's, let's discuss um, verse 1 to begin with. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. So what does that mean? Well, let me just say the word precious means rare. That it would be like a virtuous woman. That they are rarely found and of great value. That they're not just around the corner. And so what he's saying here is, is that the word of the Lord was hard to find in that day. Now, I know as you read through that chapter, you see the severity of God upon Eli. But there's a reason why that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Why it was rare. It was his fault. And it was his boy's fault that it was this way. And the Bible says also there was no open vision. What does that mean? That there was no, rarely, should I say, open, available word from the Lord. That word vision, not talking about your eyesight, not talking about a dream. It's talking about a word from the Lord. Where there is no vision, the people perish. This is not about motivating you with a man's vision of what he wants to accomplish. That's an application. But the interpretation is, you and I need a word from the Lord. And we come, I I get up in the morning praying and reading my Bible, asking for the Lord to give me a word. Do you? When you come to church, do you ask the Lord to give you a word? You see, we want to hear from the Lord. And listen, God is not trying to hide Himself. He wants to speak to us. But he has delegated this to men with some great responsibilities. Now, keep your hand where you are, and I'll prove this to you. Turn with me to Malachi chapter number 2. And we're talking about here God severely, severely judging Eli and his boys. But these men were given great honor, privilege, authority. And you know the principle that if you've been given great authority and privilege, also comes with it great responsibility and great accountability with that. So if you look in the book of Malachi in chapter number 2, when the Lord raised up the tribe of Levi, specifically their responsibility was to minister unto the Lord. They were not supposed to be out uh, building houses. They were not supposed to be out plowing the fields. They were supposed to be Serving the Lord, taking care of the sacrifices and listening to people and teaching the law of Moses that they might hear the word of the Lord. That was their one job. But what a job. But you'll notice here in Malachi chapter number 2, now this is, this is again now where God is really fixing to really, really, you're talking about no 
word from the Lord. You're talking about really uh, closing off the valve. It's going to be 400 years after this before they hear from the Lord. So, look at Malachi chapter 2. And here's why. God's mad. He's angry. Look in chapter 2, verse number 7. He said this. For the priest's lips, the priest's lips. Now, that's Eli and his two boys. He said, should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth. So when the folks came to Shiloh, they should be able to get a word from the Lord. You understand? A word from the Lord. And whatever else you get when you come to East River, you should at least get a word from the Lord, from the Word of God. And so the Bible says here in verse numbers, he said, they should seek the law at his mouth, for he, talking about the priests, the Levites, is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. He said, but you are departed out of the way. Oh, man. You have caused many to stumble at the law. We are there today in America. Do you understand where I'm going with this? You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Are you talking about God being very severe? He says, therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people according to as you have not kept my way, but have been partial in the law. Now, he warned some of those Old Testament prophets about using lightness when they would preach, a lack of sobriety and seriousness when handling the word of the Lord. Almost uh, comedians and lightness in the, in, the, in the pulpit. And I'm not talking about being somber, but I am talking about being serious when it comes to the things of the Lord. And about them strengthening the hands of the wicked and perverting the word of the Lord. So we got a very serious, serious problem here. And when God gets mad, God gets mad. We read this morning, He is slow to get mad. He's slow to anger. Slow to anger. And ready to forgive. We are quick to anger. Slow to forgive. We've got to reverse that to be like Him. Look in chapter number 2 here. He said, here's what I'm going to do to you. In verse number 3, Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your face. That's pretty gross, isn't it? I see some of you kids said, Well, I'm just telling you. He said, look, that's what I'm going to do. Now, the Lord can be very graphic and very, very um, graphic when He gets mad about what He's going to do. Now, let's go back to the book of 1 Samuel real quick, okay? Now, listen, we grieve here at East River over and we moan over what goes on at the White House. I barely can listen to our leaders speak at a conference. I can barely look at our leadership at the White House when they are on television or news. Or I mean, when I say barely look at them, I, it's hard for me to do so without grieving. Without grieving and moaning in my heart. Because when the wicked bear rule, the righteous mourn 
and they grieve. And that's that we certainly do that here. And we also see what goes on at our courthouses and some of the laws and some of the they are justifying the wicked in our land. And if you try to protect your family, if you try to live a holy and righteous and normal life, you are you are a threat to their agenda. If you are opposed to Pride Day, you are considered something wrong with you. If you just simply read the Bible to some folks, it is considered hate speech. That is where we are in our courthouses. But then even in our schoolhouses, our schoolhouses, one of our missionaries said that uh, his son, uh, Brother, Brother Nichols, I believe it was, has a son in one of the public school systems there. And um, the teacher wanted all of the students to give uh, their opinion. And she encouraged them to give their open opinion about uh, gay pride and about that lifestyle, the LGBTXYZ lifestyle. You understand? And so all the kids, some of the kids were afraid and of what to say and things of that nature. And so eventually she got to him and she felt like he probably would speak his mind. It's almost like she was setting him up. I don't know that. But she asked him, and he's only like maybe eight years old, okay? And so he stands up and he, he, she told them, no, do not be afraid to give your honest opinion. We care about your opinion. So he tells her what the Bible says about sodomy and homosexuality. And she blows a gasket. And accuses him of just repeating what his preacher dad had probably ingrained in him. And he said, well, this is just what the Bible says, you know. And I mean, really ridiculed the child. And if your child were to do the very same thing in some of our schools in America, the same thing would happen, unfortunately. Amen? But don't we grieve over that? Doesn't it make you sad? It should. Now, thank God for some God-fearing teachers. There's still some folks out there that fear the Lord in the schools. Praise the Lord for that. But even them are becoming rare and afraid to speak up lest they lose their jobs. But here's where you need to understand. God is not going to judge America because of what is going on at the White House. That's not where He's going to start. Now, I'm not saying He won't, but I'm saying that's not where He's going to start. He's not even going to start at the courthouse where justice is perverted. And he's not going to start at the schoolhouse where righteousness is turned upside down. Where is it going to start? The Bible says that judgment begins at the house of the Lord. We are supposed to be the salt. We are supposed to be the light. We are supposed to be and making the difference in our land. So, when you get to 1 Samuel chapter number 3 you'll find that the Lord is, is up to here. And He gets up to here in case you didn't know it. He gets fed up with people who've been given authority and leadership and responsibility and light and truth. He holds you accountable for some of these things. And so these men, all of them, all three of them, and whoever else was working with them became selfish, sensual, and self-willed. They had diminished respect for the house of the Lord. 
And brethren, some of the things that I see on some of the YouTube uh, bits at churches in our land, it is absolutely insane what goes on in some of these places called churches. And they don't even want to call themselves uh, by what they believe. It's not Baptist church anymore. It's not Methodist church anymore. It's inspire or relevant or blah, blah, blah. They don't want you to know what they believe. And what they do believe is that doctrine divides. Can I tell you that doctrine does divide, but it also unites. If you're seeking the truth, it unites and it delivers. Because when you use the word doctrine, you're talking about precious truth that makes a difference in a person's life. So, here we are. You know, it's amazing to me that the Lord is bypassing Eli. Now, according to chapter number 2 and verse number 27, the Lord brings in, you might say, an independent contractor. The Bible says in verse 27, And there came a man of God unto Eli. How about that? Eli was supposed to be the man of God. And lo and behold, he should not have to be rebuked. And the Lord had somebody that would be faithful. Do you know that some people cannot stand for you to be totally and completely honest with them? They say that they do, but they really don't want you to be honest with them. And so here he is. This man of God tells him what's going to happen. Time presses on. You get to chapter 3. And now again, you have the Lord is rather going to speak to a young man. I don't know how old he is right here. John, he might be your age right here by this time. But I know he's very young. He may be younger. How how old are you, Ty? You're 11. So let's go from 8 to, how old are you, John? 15. Let's go somewhere in that range that he's been now here. He may be younger than that, but I don't think so. Somewhere in this range. Some believe he was around 12. And the Lord from heaven is looking down and said, okay, I've had, I've had it. He said, I, I, I'm going to choose to speak to a child instead of the most powerful man in Israel, the high priest. I'm going to speak to a child because I can't talk to him anymore because he won't listen. I've already talked to him a couple of times and I've even sent him some warnings, but he just won't listen. And I even sent him one of my prophets. So now he speaks to a child. Wow, what a serious situation Eli has gotten himself into. Do you agree with that? Wow, I don't want to be in that position. I sure don't. But these were shepherds that had become fat off the sheep. And the sheep were supposed to be getting fat off of them. That was what was supposed to be happening. Okay, now let's look. Uh, again, now it's important that you understand how rare it is, uh, how, the, how rare the truth was in these days. Like in Micaiah's day, there were 400 prophets who lied to the king. And the king said, Jehoshaphat, I think it was. He said, man, I, I need a real preacher here. Do you have one that will just tell us the truth? We've heard all that other stuff. And, and if you listen to some of these guys, they're all saying the same stuff. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's always stuff to make you feel warm and fuzzy for a little while. I call it fast food. And so the Lord says, 
or should Joseph have said, listen, I've, I, 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 these guys are just copycats. Would you please bring us up a real man? And Was it King Ahab? I can't remember who the other king was. Was it King Ahab? And he said, yeah, there is one guy, but every time he gets up and preaches, he's always negative toward me. He said, well, let's at least hear what he has to say today. So they go get him. Micaiah comes up, and by the way, the guys that are in charge of all the, the ministerial association says to Micaiah, now listen, everything's going good. We want unity here. We want harmony here. We got all the denominations represented here. Everybody likes the king. We think he ought to go, we ought, he ought, he ought to go into this battle. So hey, just be nice for a change. So Micaiah goes up there. Jehoshaphat and Ahab say, okay, speak to us. So, Micaiah uses what I call is great amount of sarcasm because it is instantly indicated. Because he gets there and says, all right, king, go, man, go for it. And the king could tell, what did I tell you? I told you, you know, go ahead, tell me the truth, I can handle it. He said, well, and he told him, he said, hey, you go, you're going to die. He said, that's what's going to happen. You, if you go to battle, you're going to die. And boy, one of those other prophets went over there and slapped Micah upside the face and, uh, and challenged him and said, man, who, who do you think you are and who do you think uh, that um, you're the only one that God speaks through? And Micah said, listen, if I'm telling a lie, he said, uh, then... Uh, I'll see you again. But if I'm telling the truth, I won't see you again because you'll be dead. And that is what happened. But I'm just saying that out of 400, there was one that had a word from the Lord. So sometimes, if you follow the Bible, you will be in the minority. Do you understand that, church? In these last days, if you really, truly do more than just carry your Bible, but you actually believe it, you're going to be part of the rare breed in America. But you're salt and you need to hold to it. Hold to it. Hold to it. Let's look at Samuel real quick tonight for just a few minutes. I want to speak to the parents and to our young people for just a little bit about Samuel. Let's talk about the calling and confirmation of Samuel. We've had enough about Eli. Let's talk about Samuel for a moment. You know, he's one of the greatest men in the Bible. Samuel is one of the greatest men in the Bible. Served the Lord from the beginning to the end of his days, faithful to the Lord, a great prophet of God. But now notice something about this in verse number, it's it's an interesting verse in verse 7. It says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. That's an interesting statement about where he is spiritually. He does not yet know the Lord. But you'll notice in verse number 4, the Bible says the Lord called Samuel. Verse 6, twice it says the Lord, excuse me, verse 6 says, and the Lord called yet again. And verse 8, the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And verse 10 says, and the Lord came and stood and called. I think that parents in our church and other places as well are often praying and seeking godly counsel over their child 
when they are young and they begin to have questions about the Lord. Is this the Lord dealing with them? Or is this just the curiosity of a child's mind? Is this Samuel having dreams, waking up, hearing voices? Or is this the Lord dealing with him? How many of of you as parents have struggled with your child when they have come to you and said, Mom or Dad, I'd like to be saved and They've heard that term in Sunday school. They've heard that term in Master Club. They've heard that term from the pulpit. And you're wondering, do they really understand what's going on? And by the way, you should be concerned about that. And you have to be like Eli was wise enough and cared enough about Samuel. He loved that boy. I really believe he did. He knew his life was over. He knew the judgment of God was coming. But he knew that this boy was a real deal. And he said he had enough wisdom to know that if it was the Lord, he would keep knocking. If it was the Lord dealing with that boy's heart, that God would keep working on that boy's heart. But if it was just curiosity, it would fade away. Do you understand? And when a child hears things and they ask you questions, it is normal for a child to be curious. It's normal for them to do two things at church, basically, be bored or be curious. Hopefully, they will be curious and listening. And as they listen, and as they listen in Master Club, and listen, teachers, what you say is important. Sunday school teacher, be very careful in what you say to a child about the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. Be very careful. Never, never, can I say, talk a child into making a profession of faith. You ask any child anywhere, do they want to go to heaven? And they're going to say yes. And they will follow you in prayer. But they will have no understanding of what's happened to them. You understand? And I believe the Lord wants us to see that very clearly here. That as a wise adult, that you will pray over this. And then you, what you need is perception. Eli perceived that this was the Lord dealing with this child, dealing with this child, and that's what you need. I will help you the best I can. I will pray for you that God will help you, but you're with that child every day, every week, and you have the ability to perceive this. God will give it to you if you ask Him and say, Lord, I don't want to mislead my child. I don't want to mislead him in either direction. If this is you dealing with him, I don't want to push him away. And if this is you calling him, I want him to come to you. Do we agree with that as moms and dads? Amen? And so, because you don't want a child following another child into a profession of faith, or to get baptized. You don't want that out of curiosity. You, don't you want the Lord calling your child? Don't you want the Lord convicting your child of their sin? Is it possible that God could speak to a child's heart? Absolutely. Is it possible that a child could be actually convicted of their sin? I think it is possible 
in the sense the older you get, the harder your conscience gets. And the younger you are, the more tender your conscience is. And the more you have of the fear of the Lord. And so, yes, I think that sin in itself, when you become aware of it, can come faster if you've been exposed to the truth about what sin is. And that's where you can't play around with your kid about what sin is. You've got to be honest with them about it. But let's look at this. Okay? So these parents, and, and, and he has enough perception to recognize, hey, this is God dealing with this boy's heart. Now let me ask you another question as parents. Notice it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Because by the way, I want to say to you boys and girls, your mom and dad will do their very best to bring you to church, but they cannot reveal the Lord to you. They can give you the Bible, but they can't make God real to you. They want God to be real to you. I promise you, they don't want you growing up with just religion. They want you to have a relationship with God. But it's gone, But you, you can't just go to church and hang out with mom and dad. At some point, you have to have a relationship, a personal relationship with God. Now notice it says here, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Let me ask you a question. Is it wise for young people to learn some things about God until they know God? Absolutely. That's what we're doing here. We want them to know some things. And, and, and listen, Samuel knew some things about the Lord. He just didn't know the Lord yet. I can relate to that. To know about Him and to know Him, that's two different things. Do you think it's wise for you to learn how to serve around the house of the Lord before they know the Lord? Well, I think that's what happened here because this young man, look in chapter 2 in verse number 18. The Bible says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child. How about that? Verse 26, and the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Chapter 3, verse 1, the child, the Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Verse 7, here it says here, that he, but he did not yet know him. What I really think reveals to us though, mom and dad, verse number 15 of chapter 3, and Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. How about that? I pray that you would teach your young, young people to get involved even though you, you, you may think that they, they need to get saved before they serve, let me encourage you to let them serve until they're saved. That's what Samuel did. Because the more they hang around the things of God and learn some things about the Lord, it may be the sooner that they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Very important. Very important. And I think, too, what you have here is Eli is teaching this young child, and I think every mom and dad needs to work on this. You need to, you need to teach them to learn how to listen and to receive and to be swift to hear and slow to speak because here's what he told him. He said, now listen, in verse number 9, 
Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he shall call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. That's what he was instructed to do. I think it would be wise on our part as parents and grandparents to teach our children to ask God to speak to their hearts and for them to focus on listening. He said, you speak, Lord, I'm listening. Swift to what? Swift to hear. Slow to speak. Children are more swift to speak and slow to hear. Here, he was instructed, son, listen. You can be still for 30, 45 minutes. Listen to the Word of God. Whether it be in, listen, you don't have to have, and I'm not opposed to any thing that helps a child learn and grow. Vacation Bible schools, I like them. Youth camps, I like them. Children's churches, to some degree, depending on what's going on in there. Okay? But I'm saying, wherever they are, they need to learn how to listen to the Word of the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the Lord. Do you know that God trusts youth more than we do? Because God's fixing to tell him some stuff that's hard stuff. Do you realize that kids are very resilient? Now, you would think that probably your child might be traumatized if the Lord were to tell your child what he just told him. Because, buddy, he's fixing to lay down some real sobering, serious news. And you probably would say as a mom, don't, don't tell that child that. He's not ready to hear that kind of stuff. What do you mean you're going you're gonna to take Eli? That's his hero. And, and you're fixing to destroy him. And, and what about those two boys that you've been working with? You're fixing to wipe them out? You're going to tell that to a child? Lord, don't do that. They can't handle that. You'd be surprised what a child can handle, even sometimes more than an adult in some of these areas. Look at look what he says. He said in verse number 11, Youth need to be made sober. Do you realize that God talk, says all the time that young men in 1 Timothy, that your main goal is to learn how to be sober-minded? Sober-minded. To be serious about things. And you know, verse 11, listen, life's not a game. Life's not a video game. It's not a Disney world. It's not Disney movies. I mean, that's just, life is tough. It's hard. It's not fair. It's wicked. It's harmful. You have to be very careful in these days in which we live. But notice he says in verse 11, The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. Boy, he said, I'm fixing to give you some news. And buddy, what I'm fixing to tell you, when, when you tell it, and when they hear it, and when they see it, their ears are going to tingle because it's horrific news. And hear what he said in verse number 12. He said, In that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. And he said, Now listen, now Eli, he said, Samuel, I'm going to tell you why I'm doing this, son. He's putting it on him. He said in verse number 13, I've told him I'll judge his house. I'm going to judge him 
because of his wicked sons and because he restrained them not. And you can tell him in verse number 14 that there is absolutely no sacrifice he could offer that's going to take away my wrath of what I'm fixing to do to him. How would you like that to be the first, your first lesson that the Lord called you? And I remember that when I surrendered to preach as a young man, I think I was 19. I went and told my pastor, I felt like the Lord was calling me to preach. That was on a Sunday morning. He said, okay, be ready tonight to preach. No, man, I wasn't ready. I didn't know enough. But I had to get ready that Sunday afternoon. I stumbled through my first message. But can you imagine this is your first message as a prophet? And the Bible says, I guess, I guess he had to get used to telling some bad news as a prophet, didn't he? And some sober news as a prophet. The Bible says here in verse number 14, And therefore I have sworn of the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house should not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. I think this had to make this young man's heart sad because he's fixing to have to give, give bad news to his, the man that he loves has been serving. Very respectful young man. God told the youth some hard things. Can God tell you young men some hard things? Can you take the truth? Verse number 15 says this. I think uh, verse 15 says, And Samuel lay until the morning. Now, I am not reading into this, but I'm guessing he's not sleeping real good. He didn't say slept till morning. Says he lay. I mean, how about it if you go to sleep tonight and you hear a voice? And it's the Lord standing there. Now, was it an angel standing there? Possibly. Was it a pre-Bethlehemic appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ? Possibly. I don't know. But it just says the Lord stood there. And the Bible says, and Samuel lay. Now, after you've had this information given to you, you're supposed to go back to sleep. You've just been visited from another dimension. Something has come to you from another world. You think you're just going to go right back to sleep? I think not. And the Bible says, And Samuel lay into the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And he says he feared. I know that fear. When you've got to tell somebody something that you know that they don't want to hear. I understand that fear. But you know what your goal, your, your job is? Is to be faithful. I've told the Lord sometimes, I said, Lord, if I tell them, they're not going to receive it. He said, your job is to tell them, be faithful. Verse 15 says, And Samuel lay into the morning. And verse number 16 says, Then Eli called Samuel. Now if I'd have been Eli, and this had been going on, I'd have been up bright and early. What did the Lord say, son? Now this should have been the other way around, Brother John. It should have been Samuel hearing from Eli. The Bible says, And Eli called him and said, Son, and again there's that servant's heart and attitude, said, Here I am, or here am I. 
So what did the Lord show you? He said, you better tell me the truth. You better not hide anything from me. Or I'm going to pray the Lord will do the same thing to you. Whatever he told you. Well, verse 18, Samuel's motivated. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And this was Samuel's testimony all his days. That he told the truth. Well, let's close this down with verse 19, 20, and 21. The Bible says, in Samuel grew. That was his initiation unto the Lord. He began to know the Lord, and uh, he began to grow. And the Bible says, and the Lord was with him. Now, isn't it an interesting phrase here? Brother Brent, and it says, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Isn't that an interesting phrase? None of his words fell to the ground. What do you think that means? Have you ever heard somebody talking to you and what came out of their mouth did not reach your ears or your heart because you knew it didn't mean anything? It wasn't worth anything to you? And prophets who would ever say anything The Bible says if it did not come to pass, they were not to be listened to. And the Lord made sure that whatever came out of his mouth, and I think Samuel made sure whatever came out of his mouth was from the Lord, and the Lord made sure whatever he said came to pass. So people began to understand, hey, you know what? You need a word from the Lord? There's a man down there, Shiloh. His name is Samuel. He's a young man. But boy, God's really, hand is really on him. If you ask him a question and he answers you, I promise you, it'll be a word from the Lord. How refreshing that must have been for Israel to be able to have somebody that could give them a word from the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing it is to be able to have somebody in your life. If you were to call them up, if you were to visit them, say, hey, listen, can I counsel with you about something? Can I bounce something off of you? And the words that they say to you have some meaning have some sense, have some wisdom, and the Holy Spirit confirms what you need to do through those godly counsels. What a blessing that is. The Bible says here, and it says, And Samuel grew. And verse 20, it says, In all Israel, the, the Bible says that Samuel was established. God confirmed him to be a prophet of the Lord. That took some time. Don't demand that I trust you. It takes time to develop trust in a preacher, in a prophet, in an evangelist, in a missionary. Do not demand that I trust you because of your position. Your life, your words, your behavior, your character, your conduct, your demeanor, your disposition, your all of these things, that is what is going to determine whether or not the Lord is establishing you in my life. Do you agree with that? That takes a little time, doesn't it? Okay. And so the Bible, (coughs) excuse me, verse 21. It says, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And boy, I tell you, this is just a wonderful man that God has given to Israel. Look in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, and we'll close with this verse. Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 6, and we'll pray, and we'll go to the house, okay? 
Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 6. Verse 5 and verse number 6. I'm praying God will speak to some of our youth. I'm praying that He will. I'm praying you'll listen. And I'm also praying that He won't have to speak to you because He won't speak to me. Do you understand what I mean by that statement? I don't want to be an Eli. I want to be a Samuel. That's what I want to be. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 30 in verse number 6, verse 5 and verse number 6, he says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add thou not unto His words, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And you know what? Samuel was never guilty of this. And this is why his words never fell to the ground. You have no right to misrepresent the Lord or twist His words to make it fit what you want it to. Or to threaten your family or threaten your wife or threaten your children or threaten your parents. You cannot take the Word of God and use it as your own tool. You must be faithful to it, properly divide it and interpret it and apply it. And if you will do that, then you'll be able to speak with authority and with accuracy. It is critical, critical, critical that you young men learn. Never misuse your Bible. Never use it to fit your agenda. God will not get on your wagon. You cannot pull Him around with you. He will pull the wagon and you have to get into His wagon. And He will guide you and lead you. So mom and dad, when they have a hard question for you, you be very careful even if it makes you uncomfortable. You study that verse out and you be sure that you tell them exactly what that verse means. My young Christian life, Brother Lauren, there were some things put on my conscience that simply were not true. And I had to reshape my conscience to listen to what truth was and change some things in my life. Because you know what? As you walk with God, you will increase in the knowledge of God. And when you increase in the knowledge of God, there'll be some things you'll have to rearrange in your thought process about truth and about things that some people think matters that really don't. But I pray the Lord would help you to be careful. Young men, if the Lord speaks to your heart, I pray that you'd listen to Him. And I pray that moms and dads, you'd be sensitive when God begins to deal with your child. And for us seniors in here, let us take a warning from Eli and Hophni and Phinehas that we would never misrepresent the Lord to this generation. That we would be found faithful. And that we would have a word from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, may the Holy Ghost honor His word tonight. May, Lord, I pray that I've not done anything Lord, that would misrepresent you or your word. And I pray tonight, Father, that you might bless these moms and dads as they deal with their sons and daughters. And I pray for our young men and our young ladies that they would have ears to hear and understand that God is interested in their youth and that God wants them while they're young. And may, Lord, they learn to serve until you speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.